What's been the 76ers' bread and butter in recent seasons? Ingram throws it away. T.J. McConnell on the drive into the lane. Right-hand layup. Good. And a foul on Los Angeles. And the Lakers are imploding here. The Sixers are stealing the ball left and right. No doubt, defense. The past few weeks, with new personnel continuing to get more and more acclimated, things seem to be rounding into form on that side of the floor. The team has been playing like a top three unit. Guys are just getting a little bit more comfortable. Now I really think it is we need them to lock in to every possession. We are not there yet. I'm just going to be honest. We're not there. We don't take that level of concentration to every possession, but we're trending in a good way as the numbers bear out. That's assistant coach Billy Lang. He oversees the Sixers defense, and he'll be our guest on this episode of the broadcast. Greetings, 76ers podcast people. From the west coast of the United States, the 76ers road trip rolls on, as does our podcast feed. Brian Seltzer is saying hello. Sixers been doing some good stuff as of late, and once again, we are set to wrap up a month of January under the coaching tenure of Brett Brown, and we look back over the last 30 days or so, and you can say with pretty good authority that the Sixers have been making headway. That's been the case the last couple of years. It seems like January is the time that this team comes together and definitely at least for me what stood out with the exception of that Denver game aside when the Sixers had some circumstances working against them. The defense has been really really solid as of late and that is a good sign. That has been the calling card of this club with Brett Brown as coach And we're going to dive into some of the nitty-gritty details of what the Sixers have been doing as of late, but also how things were set up this year on the defensive end of the court and what changed and how the team has had to adjust since the Jimmy Butler trade and also bringing in a guy like Corey Brewer or making some other personnel tweaks. We're going to talk to Billing Lang in his sixth season as a Sixers assistant about that. But before we get started, a reminder that to subscribe to the podcast, you can do a couple things. You can go to Apple Podcasts, you can go to Google Play, you can go to Stitcher, SoundCloud, tune in, type in Sixers Podcast Network, that will take you to our feed. So if you watch the Sixers game against the Lakers earlier on on this road trip, a game the Sixers won, 121-105, to the start of that game was nuts. It was totally out of control. The Sixers came out out of the gates with defensive stoppers Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, and Wilson Chandler back in the mix. They just flat out punched the Lakers in the mouth. They were swarming. They were aggressive. They created turnovers. They had seven turnovers in the first, I think it was six minutes, and at that point had 14 points off turnovers. They were scoring off missed shots. And I really felt the defensive intensity helped set the tone for that game. And that's been emblematic of a larger growing trend for the 76ers. When we look back over the last two weeks since the 15th of January, the Sixers have been the third best defense in the NBA. And they're putting up numbers in terms of their defensive rating that would put them good enough for fourth overall in the league. So the Sixers, they made some adjustments in the offseason, and they've been growing. I think there's been more cohesion. So that would be a good time to pull up a chair, as you'll hear where, with assistant coach Billy Lang. He's been with Brett Brown since day one before the 76ers left Santa Monica en route to San Francisco to continue this four-game Western Conference road trip. This is a message out there for our wives. If you're listening, what you hear in the background, perhaps the rolling crescendo of waves, the rustling of palm trees, it's not that. It's just ambient static in the atmosphere. Natural things that happen when you podcast. 
Right, Billy? That's right. I'm just happy this is not on video. True. <laughs> True statement. So maybe in our minds we can just imagine that we're only about 50 feet from the Pacific Ocean. It's go. around 70 degrees, sunny, a nice breeze coming in on the West Coast. 76ers picking up a great win against the Los Angeles Lakers. So right now at this very moment, life is excellent. Yes, it is. It is. But we do have the Warriors coming up in like a little over 24 hours. So um, and that'll be excellent because it's a learning experience. But we're blessed, man. We do what we love to do. Um, regardless of the results, we have to always remind ourselves, look at what we're doing. You know, and we've got great supportive families back home. And, you know, our coaching staff, um, this is something Monty and I talk about all the time, just how – you know, strong our wives are, our families are, for us to be away from them. And the same thing goes with the players. You know, like we look at these guys as these young, invincible people, but they're away from support staff a lot. That's what their support system, I should say. That's why it's great to see a lot of these parents that are able to fly and watch their children play, you know, because they're still their children, even if they're they're in their mid-20s. These are their kids. Um, we, we've got a great basketball family with the 76ers, but we have to remember that we have these families back home, and um, we're just really blessed to have the support we do. It's funny, as still a relatively fresh father myself, I'm looking at the game against the Lakers the other night, and there down at the corner of the baseline is Dave Simmons sitting, watching Ben yeah. put together another terrific performance. And I'm like, this guy has really played the sport at about as high a level as you could without being in the NBA That's talking right. about Ben's dad. But it's still got to be just such an amazing feeling to sit there and see your kid do something to the level that Ben does. It well, must be unreal. I'll tell you what's crazy. I actually had that same thought after the game yesterday. Really? Yeah, just, you know, because you're on this stage in Los Angeles. You know, it does stables, feel different. It's here, a stage, sure. right? And you're you're watching your child play. And that your son's in the NBA, you know, and, and, you know, think about all the things that the Simmons had to do and all these parents had to do to help get their children here, the commitments they made, the sacrifices they made, the dollars they spent. You know, they made a decision to move, you know, to come to the United States to, to get Ben against the competition over here for all these kids. I mean, you know, Joel Embiid left the country, left his family to come over here to play. You know, it's the, all the hours that, you know, T.J. McConnell's father spent with him in the gym. It's just a huge commitment. So to see their children on this stage and in this limelight of Los Angeles, and then they probably still remember holding them and burping them and giving them pacifiers and all the things you're going through right now. You probably understand what a binky is more now than you did a year ago. And, you know, this is just part of life, but it has to be really cool for them to see that. So the Sixers bounced back, got the full personnel back against the Lakers, and yep. the start of that game was outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. It was like when you think even Sixers basketball to warp speed, right. aggressive defensively, keying scoring opportunities on the break, scoring off misses. Like right. what was going on? What did you see happening at the start of the well, game? Well, I want to go back to something you said about full roster. I, it, it's just important. We never make excuses for missing people, okay, Is particularly Coach Brown. I mean, he's been here for six seasons. So in the first few years, some people could say we were missing a whole roster, right? So <laughs> this is just what we do. We have to coach, and, and we really challenged our players after the Denver game because a lot of those guys that were on the court are still in our rotations, and we trust them. And we believe in them. And some of the things, the mistakes or non-committal things that they made on the defensive end and then some of the things we did in the, on our offensive end in the second half, we're not accepting that just because Wilson, Jimmy, and Joel were not on the floor. But we do understand the impact that they make. What you saw last night was probably the result of a challenge to those other players to step up 
and then bringing back those three guys. And, and we're going through a little collision here right now, particularly on the defensive end, meaning this. You cannot win in the spring and summertime if you do not play solid possessions valuing each detail because the offenses are not going to turn the basketball over. They're just not going to do that. That's why they're in the playoffs. However, because of Jimmy, because of Joel and who he is and Ben and who he is and TJ and who he is, we have this element, like this explosive element that we probably have not had here where we're able to jump on people. So now we have to find a way to balance that. This is what I think Golden State has done a great job of. They gamble a lot, Golden State. They're in the passing lanes. They they leave an assignment to go randomly double a ball, and they all rotate and play off each other. But then when they have to play Cleveland or LeBron or they've got to go against Boston and they have to just lock in and be solid and just protect the basket and get a key stop, they're able to find that balance. We're going to have to find that moving forward, but it's pretty cool that we're adding this other element right now. Where do you see things defensively at this stage of the season, just past the 50-game mark? Um, I know you guys are, are always striving for more, but uh, really I guess a lot of people have made a lot of this stretch that you could say started back with the home right. game against Minnesota. Yeah, for sure. Um, and since that point, you guys are number three in the league defensively yeah. in terms of defensive rating, right. Um, almost right at number two where yeah. Boston is. So where have you seen some evolution, some growth? Because as you said, like there have been stretches when yeah. Jimmy wasn't available for the last three games. Yeah. No, I mean, you, if you take the whole Minnesota game and the whole whole Indiana game and then the second half of the Oklahoma City game and really maybe quarters two through four and then the whole game against Houston we were amazing we were not great against San Antonio because the result was not great and part of that was San Antonio played amazing <laughs> that was they just really a, did. that was just a well-played basketball game that and that's going to happen at this league you have a, effective offensive players that can do a lot of things but what we did in the last four minutes of that game, particularly the last two and a half, were just really in line with what the team had done prior to that um, since Minnesota, as you alluded to. Where I see us right now is still growing. Um, you know, a guy like Jimmy Butler has been in the same defensive system for almost his entire career. And even though things really don't change that much from team to team, we have a few nuances that are unique to us. And he's getting adjusted. Wilson Chandler is healthy and now learning. He's a 12-year veteran or maybe even more that's done a lot of things in a different way. And now he's getting accustomed to our uh, mantra of trying to take away the open three-point shot because you're going to need that as you progress forward in the springtime. And guys are just getting a little bit more comfortable. Now I really think it is, Brian, we need them to lock in to every possession. We are not there yet. I'm just going to be honest. We're not there. We don't take that yet, take that level of concentration to every possession but we're trending in a good way as the numbers bear out walk me through how you guys have decided to to coach this thing defensively really going back to the summer like how does that work with the coaching staff when you philosophically decide to tweak a few things that really had been very successful to a certain degree last year so a, a few things i think too much has been made of these tweaks because really they were things that we did last year we just didn't make them staples of this is what we're going to do we made them like adjustments or we made them change based on an opponent or an opponent's playoff series or losing a game. So everything that we've added or or emphasized are all things that were in last season. We just studied during the summer and said, you know, it's not about 2008, 17, 18 anymore. It's really about, like, if we believe we're this good, how are we going to be good in 2019 to 2022, 23, and beyond? And one of it is you have to look at your superstar on the defensive end and Joel Embiid and how do we craft a defense that allows him to play to his strengths. That was one of the first things. I think we sat down and said that. That's number one. Number two, 
we studied a lot of playoff basketball. We studied a lot of trends of the teams that are moving in that direction, like guys that can compete for a championship, teams that can compete for a championship. And you notice a few things. You know, it's almost all five out, Brian, once you get to that level. So, you know, rim protection is different than when there's three guys around two guys or four guys around one. When you go to five out, how do you get Joel around the basket as much as you can? And why are teams five out? Because they want to drive the ball. Yes, they want to get layups, but more they want to kick you in and then kick it out for three. So we just went to some things that we did last season that we thought were effective, and then we made them staples. And those things took some time, but I think they're they're rearing itself in a good way right now. We still make a few more mistakes than we would like to, but that's what we always are here for. It's coaches is to pick out all the little mistakes. Then the crazy thing is, about a month in the season, you get a four-time All-League defender, a four-time All-Star yeah. in Jimmy Butler. And while there's been such great young talent here over the years, inheriting and absorbing mm-hmm. a talent like that is something you guys have structured things towards, yeah. but it hadn't happened until this year. Yeah. What are some of the nuances and, and subtleties, um, and then maybe even some latter things of Jimmy Butler's defensive game that yeah. you really appreciate and like? I mean, number one, we also gave up a really good defensive player. No doubt. <laughs> no so, doubt. So, like, and he was good. And Rob and Rob knew what we wanted to do. So, like, in the end of the day, effectiveness might have been equal, but what Jimmy brings is he brings this reputation, and and he is a good, um, like, small space toughness. He's got, like, a football, like a soccer fullback's body, and he's able to get underneath people, and it gives the team a lot of confidence. And now what we're learning is Jimmy has a lot of gambling in him, right? Um, So, and it's not all bad. It's just he sees things. He's got an intellect about him. So the balance that we have to have as a coaching staff between, like, okay, we've studied this enough to know – we have to be solid here versus, hey, this guy has a unique skill, and how do you marry those two things? Like That's not an easy thing to do because one time Jimmy might try to go make a play, and it works. So we're all happy about the result. Then he tries to go make the same play, and it didn't work, and we're not happy about the result. So, you know, what is the risk, and is it worth it? Like, you know, we talk about, is it, did he calculate it? Like, did he think about it? And Jimmy's intellect, to your point, those are the things that he has brought um, to us that we've needed, like his ability to see things and then visualize it and then take it to his teammates and talk about it been good. I mean, we've learned from him as coaches too. He's been really helpful. More with Billy Lang in just a moment, but wanted to take a moment to remind you about the Sixers Youth Foundation Gala, fourth annual Sixers Youth Foundation Gala presented by VIP Wireless. It's going to be on March 11th. So in about six weeks from now at the outstanding Fillmore, Philadelphia, Sixers players, coaches, and alums are going to be on hand for a great night as everyone works together to create a brighter future for the leaders of tomorrow. Purchase tickets to the event at SixersYouthFoundation.org slash gala. Strong youth, strong communities, promising futures, Sixers strong. And if you've not been before, the Sixers Youth Foundation Gala is fantastic. It doesn't feel like one of those traditional charity events this is uh comfortable you get to mingle with some of the true dignitaries of the 76ers family and uh, again support a great cause while doing it sixersyouthfoundation.org slash gala for more information and to purchase tickets hope to see you there now back more with billy lang I feel like there's always this narrative and talk about, well, is is 82 games too many and is the season too long? I've got to think that from a coaching standpoint, in this type of situation, 
it's got to help. I mean, you can't. It, it's not like a sport like football where you live and die with every game. It's more like chunks where, like, here we are right now at the end of January. Surprise, right. surprise, once again. And it seems like you guys are rounding more and more into form because it does have to take some time for you to yeah. figure out a guy's tendencies and what he prefers, whether that's Jimmy Butler or moving Wilson Chandler up on the wing more or bringing right. in Corey Brewer. You that's know? right. Well, I just want to tell you, don't be fooled. We live and die with all 82 games. Right. It's just the fact that we're able to have a response to the loss within usually 48 hours. Consequence, help, I guess, is the better in, way that I should it, have, no, there's no I doubt. have put it. It keeps it in perspective. It just it, like, it allows us to be like, okay, did we get – Did the, let's take the San Antonio game. You know, in the game we were like, our defense stinks. You go back and watch it, you're like – no, like, you know, we they made some really hard threes, and DeMar DeRozan did what he did, but he does it against everybody, and it, our guys gave great effort. So the chance to just bounce back and play quickly helps us. W- what hurts now, there's two things that have happened. There's less back-to-backs, and that is much, much better for the players, okay? Where it's actually hurt is usually when you would have a back-to-back, the next day would be off. And then if you came back the next day and didn't have a game, you would have like a real practice, okay? Now when you're playing four games over a seven- or eight-day span, those days in between are like maintenance days. These guys are getting shots. They're taking care of their body. You're walking. When I say walking, I mean walking through some things. So the game schedule is hurt mostly for us because of we just don't get the practice time, which I'm sure the players love. So these guys' ability to learn through video is at a premium, and you need to have smart players, and we do. Did you do anything differently this offseason preparation-wise, knowing that you would get a shot at overseeing the defense? I mean, I, I don't want to make uh, make too much of that, yeah. but I'm sure, like, you know, listen, we, uh, it's crazy. We could probably go back about a decade or so. Yeah. I was working at Penn. You were at Navy yeah, and yeah. Villanova, and I feel like you've always been a guy to seek out knowledge and speak yeah. to people. But the type of things that you tried to learn and acquire over the summer, was that any different at all? You know, Lloyd and I used to talk about this all the time. You know, behind Coach's back, I guess it won't be anymore because it's a podcast, but we're coaches. This is what we do. You know, I, I've been a head coach. I've done all of it. You know, player development. I've had to put game strategy together, coach offense, coach defense. Lloyd worked for other coaches. We communicated a lot. We were in these meetings for five or six years on different, you know, responsibilities, but we talked and we paid attention to each other. When, when coach puts someone in charge of something, really what he's saying is, I need you to be the most intimate person with this area during the season in the end of the day it's coaches offense and coaches defense but he doesn't have the time after every game like we just talked about with the schedule to like dig into every possession he's some games he's like i need to look at all our after timeouts or i need to watch the last four minutes or today i'm watching all the opponents makes or billy give me all the transition defense and what he's counting on is do i have intimate knowledge of the defense so that's what it means to be in charge so now go back to your question on the off season it was i, I studied every playoff game for the last two seasons that was my job. Not played in the NBA. Played in the NBA. So I had to see like where are things trending. You know, how did Utah play pick and roll against James Harden? Why is Boston so good against the three point shot? Why was Golden State's defense last year? I think you know only I say only maybe finished like nine, ten, or eleven in regular season rating, but they were amazing in the playoffs. You know, you know what makes these teams good, and and that was the study. And now then take that back and watch our Miami series and watch our Boston series, and then project where we have to be going forward and who are we going to have to beat. And that was my summer, and it was exciting because I got to see it through a different lens. It's not that we haven't talked about it. We share ideas all year long, just as Monty and Kevin and I do now. But, like, I had to get real intimate with that study. Brett gave me a ton of studies. (laughs) It was a lot, but it was a lot of fun. Everyone talks about team chemistry, especially in the context of the Sixers now with new guys coming in. But 
There's got to be some of the coaching staff no chemistry doubt. too, right? Because, I mean, really essentially with the exception of a few guys here and there, the same core was together for the first five years. That's right, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I miss my relationship with Lloyd more than anything. We just had a funny way of making each other laugh, both doing it in different ways, and we knew how to, like, help Brett. You know, we knew what type of mood he needed us to set and who was going to be the good cop and the bad cop and how would we support each other in our different roles. This season's been great too, you know, and it, and it just starts with this. Brett brings great people. And if you have good people, like, it'll take time to learn each other's rhythms and how to give each other space and who will allow who and who's lane and how do you play off each other and how do we help coach. That's the main thing. Like, how does this group together help coach? But when you have great people, man, these things come together. And um, this has been a great staff, a really, really good staff. Let's go back to the beginning of our conversation, not to in any way, shape, or form remotely suggest that we're sitting out in sunshine, but the event yeah. that I did not apply my SPF uh, <laughs> 75 or 80 before we did this, I think my pigmentation, I, I should wrap it up, and we have a plane to catch That's right, man. to get to San Francisco as well. Um, top to-do list items universally for the 76ers as we look out. We're almost at the All-Star game break. There's still obviously a big two weeks before that. Right. But as you look ahead to the rest of the season, what are some of the main things that you're looking forward to? Um, I think just getting, you, know, you talked about the chemistry, um, and it sounds like such a nebulous thing that you're going to rub a genie, a genie lamp and it's just going to come out and be good, but it happens through repetition. So each game is a learning experience for us to deliver us to where we need to be at the end. That would be one. Two, I think um, get tighter offensively. Like not, don't have possessions that we – we're just too talented to waste a possession. It doesn't mean we're not going to take a bad shot here and there, but we all have to know what is the mission on this possession right now. And then I think three, defensively, it's just how do you impose your will for as long as you can do it in 48 minutes. And we need, you know, Landry and TJ and these guys, Michael, guys that are coming off the bench. Jonah Bolden's been getting some run out to play defense at a high level off the bench. And I think those three things, you know, Guys just got to get reps together. We have to value every possession on the offensive end as if it's May and June. And then how do we just have more intensity on the defensive end, particularly guys coming off our bench? I know you are an Atlantic guy through and through, but could someone yeah. sell you on the Pacific? Um, I'll tell you what. If Aunt Betty's and Uncle Bill's pancakes and ice cream were right below us, they probably could. I, I love the Atlantic. I love Ocean City. I love the city of Philadelphia. That's where I'm from. This is really cool, though. This is really cool. I could definitely get used to this, but I always look at it. I got this an hour from where I live. I just, when I have the time to do it, I'll do it. If we were sitting Oceanside, of course. That's right, of course. All right, Billy, thanks as always, man. See you. A Pacific Oceanfront conversation with 76ers assistant Billy Lang. Always enjoy chatting with Billy, regardless of location, but certainly you had the elements of Southern California just makes the vibes the atmosphere that much better but appreciated billy's insights hopefully you enjoyed them and found them informative and as always thank you for checking out the podcast talk to you next time see you